Are children rapidly becoming a commodity? And have we gone too far down the road to protect them? We're going to be talking about that today. My guest is Katie Faust, and she is the author of Them Before Us. Katie, thanks for being on the program. So happy to join you. Well, Katie, we are you're a big fan here with Created Equal. Several of our uh, interns and staff members really love your work and your book and the continued things that you're saying and doing in regards to children's rights. We had you in on our internship where you did a Zoom call with our group, and we appreciate you taking the time. And I wanted to make certain that we gave time for you to be on the radio program, too. Although you're not specifically zeroed in on the abortion issue like Created Equal is, uh, obviously, the right to life is primary to all these other rights we're going to be talking about here on the program. Uh, our primary concern here at, uh, at Created Equal is the right to life and, and preventing or trying to keep children from being aborted. You know, we want them to be born first so they can experience the other rights. And your book, Them Before Us, really challenged me to think about the rights of the child in a different way. Uh, you know, recently I've been following what goes on at the United Nations when it comes to the so-called UN Con Convention of the Rights of the Child. There are like 30 or so of these rights. One of them stood out for me. It says the right to be alive. They didn't say the right to be born. They didn't say the right to life, the right to be alive. <laughs> What is the difference between what, what you're presenting as far as it goes with the rights of a child and say what the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child are? Yeah, well, the UN, yeah, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child gets some things right. Um, the fact mm -hmm. that they recognize that children have a right to be alive, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that is their yep. primary right. Very, very close on the heels of that primary right is the right for children to be known and loved by the two people responsible for their existence. There's probably five different articles in the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child that talks about the importance of not separating a child from their mother and father, the right to a child to a biological identity in terms mm -hmm. of knowing their genetic mother and father, um, that if for some reason they have to be separated, they need to be reunified with them. And so the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, which has been ratified by every country in the world, except the United States, um, really? actually gets this right. Uh, so interesting. Why, why hasn't the United States done that? Because the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child later on mixes in some things that are not necessarily natural rights. Um, that okay. there is a natural right to life and there is a natural right. A child has a natural right to their own mother and father. But then mm. later on, um, there are some... Um, articles in there that are not necessarily natural rights that I would say um, folds in commodities, right, um, mm -hmm. and other aspects into the language of children's rights. And many parental right advocates worry that those articles would infringe on parental rights. So, uh, so they're for good reasons that America hasn't signed on. Yes. But in my opinion, it just means that the United States needs to take a more firmer and clearer um, stance on what children's rights actually are. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily to have the medical or educational direction of the state. It is for the parents to direct the education and the medical decisions of their own children. Mm -hmm. So um, we actually do need to have a robust debate on children's rights. The problem is that the other side has absolutely corrupted and co-opted the terms 
children's rights. Um, So what we talk about in our book, what you advocate for at Created Equal is children's natural rights, rights that are self-evident, as our founders would say, to a flourishing life. So children, obviously, because they are humans, have a natural right to life. But Mm -hmm. children have rights on this side of the womb as well. And the primary right, other than being alive, is the right to be raised by their mother and father whenever possible. The pro-life movement recognizes a child's right to life that gives them the opportunity to be alive. Recognizing children's right to their mother and father sets them up to thrive. Mm -hmm. Katie Faust is my guest today, and she's written the book, Them Before Us, and you can check it out at Amazon and all the other platforms in which you can buy books. Uh, Katie, as we were looking at the book here, you talk about children having rights. You know, we don't think about that a whole lot, do we? Uh, we, we think the parents have rights and the parents are going to p- parent the children the way that they choose. But you say that children have the fundamental right to be known and loved by two people who made them. That kind of goes against the popular belief that uh, really it's parents that make all those decisions and uh, it's really about them and their own personal pursuits as, you know, now that we've broken up the traditional family, right? Right. And, you know, there's a lot of momentum and rightfully so behind the parental rights movement. And the Mm -hmm. idea is these are my kids. They don't belong to the state. They don't belong to the schools. They don't belong to the doctors. These are my Mm -hmm. kids. Get out of my relationship with my kids. And that's critical because- Mm -hmm especially biological parents <clears throat> are the most protective of invested in and connected to their children. And so they should be making medical and educational decisions for their right. own kids. But there's a flip side of that. Kids have a claim to their own parents. They don't belong to just any adult with the money and means to acquire them. And so that is why people will say, well, why, sh- why should we be concerned about children's rights? As long as we're majoring on parental rights, that's all that matters. Because they're going to have their best interests in mind, we would assume, which is not necessarily the case. And here's the thing. Like, we understand from a parental rights perspective that if you give birth to a baby and you leave the hospital, you don't want to leave a hospital with just any baby, right? You have a right (laughs) to the baby that came from you. Well, guess what? Babies also have a right to the people who gave birth to them. They actually have a claim and a need and will benefit from going home with the adults who created them, right? And what happens when we don't look at this from a child-centric perspective? Mm -hmm. It means that children belong to anyone that that can actually assemble sperm, egg, and womb and cut a check. That's what it means. It means that if we don't correct, mm-hmm. pre- I'm sorry, if we don't protect children's rights to their mother and father, children become objects of rights, not subjects of rights, right? It's something that an adult can claim. And that's not the way to think about it. Just like a child's right to life needs to be respected and protected, a child's right to their mother and father needs to be respected and protected. So let's talk about some of the threats to children's rights. So you talk about them in the book. The number one, and, and you list several, but one of them is, and I think at the top of the list is fatherlessness. If you Would you expand on that? Yes. So uh, you can look at almost any social issue that we are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into correcting in our country, whether it's child poverty, teen depression, teen homelessness, 
students that are dropping out, teen pregnancy, um, incarcerated youth, whatever it mm -hmm. is that yep. is getting a lot of emphasis in terms of these major social issues that we are trying to protect, you will find that all of the kids that are affected by those social ills have something in common. And that is they are disproportionately fatherless, right? 90% mm -hmm. of homeless yeah. youth are fatherless. You're four times more likely to be a, somebody, a child living in poverty if you're fatherless, right? All of these demographics are overpopulated with fatherless children. And that is because if you starve children of one of these two adults to whom they have a natural right, it drastically impedes their ability to thrive. And so what I tell my friends on the left who care deeply about social justice is if you really do want to help kids, then you need to support children's rights to their mother and father. Because if you do, you will decimate nearly every social issue that you are seeking to correct. Well, one of our, you know, our critics say that we only care about children up until when they get born and not afterwards. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. But your book gets into the details of how we need to be fighting for children's rights, not just the right to be born, a right to life, but beyond that. My guest has been uh, Katie Faust, and she is the founder and president and director, I'm sorry, of Them Before Us. And you can pick up her book, Them Before Us, at Amazon.com. Katie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. My program's different than a lot of other types of programs like this because this is activist radio. That means I have activists on the program mostly. And these are folks that are in the battlefield every single day. They're boots on the ground doing the, the dirty work, if you will, the hard work of changing the culture. And so that's why I have uh, on the program today, A.J. Hurley, who is the director of Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust. And friends, you want to stick around for this interview because you're not going to believe your ears when we talk about what's happening here. Uh, in 2015, if you recall, David Delighton from the Center for Medical Progress, if you go way back. In fact, I was driving to work today. I'm thinking, man, that's been seven years since David Delighton exposed Planned Parenthood for selling baby body parts for quote unquote research. And that made huge news across America. Uh, and uh, you thought, oh, that, that'll do it, right? <laughs> you just have to expose Planned Parenthood for what they're doing in their own words, showing the pictures and the video of aborted babies and so forth and, and how they were selling them for baby body parts. And that'll be the end of Planned Parenthood. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't the end, and they survived. But we thought the practice might be over with, but it's not. Unfortunately, it has reared its ugly head once again, this time at the University of California at San Francisco. So AJ has been involved in exposing what's going on there. If you would, AJ, give us an update. I know in March... A while back, you guys went in and made a big deal out of exposing what's going on. Tell people what's happening. I, I They're going to probably just shake their head in disbelief. But go ahead and tell what's happening yeah. at the University of California, San Francisco. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Mark. I really appreciate it, brother. It's it's a, a horribly atrocious, uh, like a horrible atrocity what's going on at UCSF. 
Just so you and everybody understands, UCSF is the late-term uh, abortion training capital of the entire, not only the entire nation, but the entire world. They are exporting their knowledge about how to uh, abort second and third trimester children uh, across the globe. And so everyone who's the who's who in the whole AB, OBGYN kind of abortion world is, is getting trained at UCSF, uh, more specifically mm -hmm. by their head trainer there who is uh, Grossman and, and Eleanor Dry. And so uh, we have been working for the last three years now uh, trying to expose what's going on at UCSF, uh, particularly they're training people in uh, the practice of acquiring late-term uh, second trimester body parts for their research projects. And so- And that's similar to what Delight and Exposed Planned Parenthood for it, doing, it right? Is, I mean, it's, it's the same basic stuff. Not only is it similar for that, but it's actually some of the same players. Um, several mm -hmm. of the same players that he exposed our work at involved. Yes. Uh, Eleanor dry is one of those people. And, um, so yeah, he exposed them back in 2015. So how this works, I call it the unholy Trinity is yeah. at the top is you, the taxpayer. And then to ta this year, uh, our tax money is getting funneled to, um, government, NIH funded grants, right? So our money is getting funneled to NIH grants and these UCs are then taking the, um, the, the, the taxpayer money and then they are funneling those um, to Planned Parenthood for the baby body parts for their research. So if you go to NIH website and simply yeah. go to their research projects. All you got to do on the website bar is just type in fetal tissue. And this year, over $70 million of taxpayer money is going to fetal tissue programs at the universities across America. Then places like UCSF are taking um, late term, second trimester, up six, six month old gestational age body parts. <laughs> And hold it right there. So hold it right there. So at the top of the pyramid, you got tax funding, yes, right? Yep. Which goes to the national. And I'm going to read. I want, I want to stop you right here. I'm going to read their definition of fetal tissue research. Mm -hmm. This is on the National Academy of Sciences webpage, folks. We're not making this stuff up. All right. I mean, this is right on their website. It says fetal tissue research involves cells from dead fetuses yep. that are harvested for, harvested for the purpose of establishing cell lines or mm -hmm. for use as transplant transplantation material and other purposes. There are two sources of fetal tissue, elective mm -hmm. or induced abortion. Yes. There you go, right out in the mm -hmm. open. Yep. And spontaneous or natural natural abortions. They're talking about miscarriages there. So they're not, you know, they're not glossing over this. They're way out in the open saying they're taking aborted babies yep. and they're using them for fetal tissue research. Now, let me 100%. ask you this. Are the are the abortions happening at UCSF, or they're just getting them from other uh, abortion mills and Planned Parenthood? Both. So um, they are going to okay. independent independent um, abortion facilities, but they are also acquiring them from UCSF. I mean, it makes sense; they can save money that way. Uh, and right, makes and, sense. And rather than paying a third party, they can just use the aborted baby parts from there. And and most, you know, a lot of. Uh, 
a lot of Planned Parenthoods and independent abortion facilities don't do second trimester. Some of them do, but some of them don't. And so a lot of these research projects, they need 18 to 24 week gestational lungs, livers, thymuses. Honestly, I was aghast at some, because how we know about this is just released from FOIA requests. We can, we have gotten actually this, yeah. who's been instrumental in this is pro-life san francisco filing for your request getting these actual studies and each study lists exactly the organ of these children that they need and the gestational age uh ages of the children of these baby organs that they're acquiring so what they're doing taking your taxpayer money without your consent it's going to nih funded grants uh, from the NAID, which is Fauci's uh, office, right. and yeah. they are funneling that money to these you, these research facilities, who then are taking that money and are acquiring them from places like Planned Parenthood and Center for Family Planning, and sometimes. So what they do sometimes is use a middleman between the abortion clinics. And you uh, place these higher research facilities like UCSF. So what? So ABR, uh, STEM Express. These are some of the middlemen who, instead of you know, these researchers aren't going to the abortion clinics and acquiring them themselves. So they're using these tissue procurement providers that actually are going to yeah, the which clinics. Are, which are the same types that Delighton exposed. So, yeah. I think they'd be out of business. So but, that's exactly no. what Delighton, David Delighton did was he posed yeah. as a fetal tissue procurement officer, established relationships, went and acquired contracts for fetal organs and then expose the the videos for them. So, uh, as this some of these these research project mark are just absolutely har- harrowing, like skulls of of fetal fetuses. Uh, one one in the University of Pittsburgh was fetal hair. They were taking like six right month, scalps, yeah, scalps of of six month old children, transplanting grafting, them on mice, right? The grafting them on exactly, mice. and yeah. then these these mice are actually growing the hair of these children. Um, and, and so what also needs to be said is why this is so, um, important for them is this is majorly funding big pharma. Yeah. So if, you know, with the problem is with research is you need a test subject. If you're going to do stuff like, uh, you know, pharmaceutical drugs or vaccine uh, research and development. So what they're doing is like, instead of testing them on adult humans, they found out, wow, if there's a way that we can graft these uh, organs of these children on lab rats, well, then these lab rats and mice will behave like humans without being what human human so they call them humanized mice and this mm-hmm. has been made literally made billions and billions of dollars for companies like regeneron um and uh, the pharmaceutical injury in, industry just in um, patents alone on this technology so it's been huge so, friends, if you don't believe what you're hearing, you can simply go to my Facebook page. I'm going to include links to what AJ's talking about. The stuff about the University of Pittsburgh, it's out in the open. You can see the pictures. Yeah. I mean, they're not hiding anything. That's the thing that's crazy. This is happening in America. 
They're a bunch of greedy vultures. This stuff's like Frankenstein. I mean, yeah. I, I hate to use the analogy, oh, but this is this is the growth. This is just the most sickening, disgusting totally. thing that I've ever seen. And uh, I mean, like I said, and I have said several times, you know, by God's grace, we're still around. I just don't get how we can keep doing this as a civilized country. And it's even out in the open. People know what's going on, and yet they're just turning a blind eye. Now, I appreciate what you've done to try mm -hmm. to expose this. Explain what you guys did, uh, if you would, and without you know <laughs> going too far yeah, into sure. But what you guys have been doing to try to expose this, because you're really one of the few organizations that has done what's necessary to make sure others know what's going on. Well, yeah, and sometimes, you know, exposing the darkness is is hard and is dirty work and so you know we we've just done everything we can do to um we we, we did a sit-in inside the clinic there at ucsf uh -huh. just to expose the, the the community on the just horrible practices that they're doing the, the thing that also needs to be said about this mark is the fact that in order to get second trimester organs. So once you understand how these abortions are being performed, um, it, it gets even more disgusting. And so second trimester abortions are either done, as you know, through labor induction or a DNE. Well, if you want intact, pristine, unadulterated organs, the only way to do that is either either to dismember the child and the organs on the way out in such a way that you're not crushing the organs or you're doing it through right. labor induction. Well, mm -hmm. we know that the chemical digoxin, the medication digoxin that stops the baby's heart, we know that that destroys all the tissue that of, uh, it nukes all the stem cells of these, these tissue. And so, um, we have reason to believe so they're born alive. I mean, they're, they're delivering them alive. When you say induced in induction, that's yeah. just born alive. Yeah, right? they're, they're inducing labor. These children are coming out either being dismembered in such a way that they're not cutting. And, and we saw this in the Planned Parenthood, Dave Delight in the videos was they're saying, I just crush a little bit above and I crush a little bit below. Mm -hmm. um, but some of these, it's like full intact skulls. And so it's like, how are you doing how are you getting intact skulls in second trimester abortions without a partial birth abortion? So uh, right. really, we will never know, but we have reason to believe that they're they're doing this while these children are alive and either just letting them perish on the table or – so basically, in a form of infanticide, we believe, uh, yeah. is happening here and because the abortion industry is so deregulated that we'll, we so will I never appreciate know. And I know that you've gone to the UC Regents' uh, actual meetings totally. and confronted them, yep. which is, uh, you know, appropriate, I think. Yeah. Um, and that you've, you know, done everything you can. And, and friends, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, you're shaking your head in disbelief, and you're thinking, oh man, this is too, this is too sickening and disgusting. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to tell you this: don't. Yeah. You can't hide your face and from what's going on mm -hmm. now that you've heard. You need to do something about it. Uh, so I'm with AJ Hurley and AJ, by the way, is a neonatal pediatric respiratory therapist. Yeah. Now that's a mouthful. <laughs> all right. For a decade. And you were an EMT for 20 years. Yeah. So, 
uh, you you got some experience at least in 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 helping with delivered children oh, and yeah. helping them. Uh, so you're not you're not. Uh, well, that's this isn't, that's what uh, got me into this whole thing was you know I I working at UCLA, we're children out of the NICU are coming out um, in. 21, 22, 23 weeks old. Uh, and right. we're doing everything we can to save these little babies, putting them on ventilators and across mm. the hall somewhere, they are dismembering children and inducing them for their Nazi like experiments down the hall somewhere. And I was just like, I cannot stay silent anymore. Um, really the only difference between these two children is one woman wanted them and one, that's woman right. Didn't, you know, that's so, exactly right. Yeah. And that's, that's the fight we're in. So friends go to survivors.la survivors.la to find out more about AJ's work. Thanks for being on the show, AJ. Thanks for having me on much, Mark. Man. Thanks for all you do, brother. So, friends, I want you to take action today. After listening to this program, the interview with A.J. Hurley, I hope that you are disgusted about what's happening in this country. We're not only killing babies. That's bad enough that we're murdering children still. Even in the aftermath of Roe versus Wade, states like California uh, and the University of California at San Francisco are experimenting on late-term babies that are procured live, more than likely. This is infanticide, and they're harvesting the organs to experiment on them, and your tax dollars are going to fund it. So, friends, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.